The right-hand side of the brain is the bit that loves metaphor and story and poetry and abstract ideas. It's better at art. And it's really over easy to oversimplify this point. But in a general sense, pre-digital revolution, we used to access information much more with the left-hand side of our brain. So when I did a year nine history project in 1996, my first port of call was to go to the library. It was a linear journey through books, reading literally from left to right. It was a logical journey, that journey of research. Now if we research something, the way we primarily access information is through Google. And Google is primarily a right brain journey. It's a matrix of information where we're bombarded with picture and video and, and, and story and, and, and image. It's much more right brain. So my encouragement to us today as we think about engaging the creative generation is we need to be much more right brain in our, the way we communicate. Now logic and evidence that, that Jesus is real, faith in Jesus is reasonable, but at the same time we need to be creative in how we communicate it. So whatever you're doing in your churches through, through stories and images and discussion, I want to urge you to crank it up a notch. Why? Because first of all, this is the way that most people in this age group are, are listening heard someone say that this is a world that listens with their eyes and thinks with their feelings. We, didn't, we need an apologetic that is seen as well as heard. But why else? Because Jesus taught this way. Because Jesus was the king of the propositional statement, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But he was also the greatest storyteller the world has ever known. A man was walking from Jerusalem to Jericho. There was a farmer who, had, uh, who went out to sow some seed. A man had two sons. So let's be more creative in our communication. Third foundation uh, is collaboration. Young adults have been raised with pupil-centered learning and used to adult attention. Millennials anticipate always being listened to. We are constantly invited to tweet and vote and share and like. There's a piece of research um, that asked young adults what they uh, look for what they value in their workplace. And, um, and this is what they said. The top three answers were having a sense of purpose, excellent relationships, achieving as a team. These are collaborative att att attributes. There's this really interesting tension in, in, in the missing generation where on one level they're incredibly we're incredibly individualistic, but on another level there was a real desire to collaborate. Well, they say people call I also think it's an amazing picture of how God uses us in collaboration. And I think it's a really cool picture of what we're to do in empowering others and the way that the younger generations want to be part of God's story. And so my question, first of all, to you is, as, as leaders, will you be like the guy in the crowd who holds his sign up and says, here I am, use me? But also, with the most collaborative generation in history, will you identify those who you're leading? And will you call them out the crowd and allow the most collaborative generation in history to be used by God? I love, there's a few moments in that I absolutely love. I love the moment when um, he gets his phone out and he's going he's gonna to film and Chris Martin says, don't worry, mate, it's going to be filmed. I love that. I, I love and, and, and here's the deal. When we step out like that and when we use others and when the young adult generation step up, people will notice. Second thing I would say, I love the moment when um, uh, he, he kind of fudges the first kind of few notes and, and Chris Martin comes alongside him and says, slow, slow. Isn't that your experience of being used by God? You know, God could do it far better, right? 
and yet chooses to use us. And in our moment of stepping out, in our moment of vulnerability, God comes alongside us and says, just go at my pace. We're to do the same when we lead others in the collaborative generation. And the third thing I'd love, I love the moment where he kind of, he kind of puts his hand on his shoulder and says, um, you know, sings the line, this particular diamond is extra special. That's not, that's not a coincidence. He, he, he really means that. And you know, my experience is, here's the deal, as a young leader, God will not love you anymore if you do unbelievable things for him and your whole city is transformed by your work. He won't love you anymore. And if you completely lose your faith and walk away from him, he will not love you any less. But what I've noticed is as I've stepped out in the mission of God, I felt his hand on my shoulder and his encouragement. The great commission comes with the great reassurance. Go and make disciples of all nations and I am with you always. There's a connection between the two. So my encouragement to us is to remember this is a collaborative generation who value being part of it. And so if you're part of the leadership of the church as a young adult, don't take lightly that position. Use that voice to see the transformation of your church in some of the cultures we're doing so in humility, in grace, but you have an important role there. But also there will be moments with every single person in this room, I believe, where you're in a senior position of leadership. Don't forget to include those who are younger than you in those moments. Your leaders who are in the boring business meeting will be, there were times when they were sat with the young leaders. We need to always remember the church is only ever one generation from extinction. So we need to continually invest in younger. Let's be intentional about picking people out from the crowd, empowering others. This is a generation who are connected, creative, collaborative. Fourthly, with great encouragement, I can tell you this is a generation who are curious. There is a real spiritual hunger amongst this generation. During the first six months of uh, the pandemic, I was really encouraged by two pieces of research. I found it personally really tough, the first bits of pandemic. Two bits of research really encouraged me. First one, the two, the two bits of research found that between a half and a third of all 18 to 34 year olds had checked out online church at some point. Isn't that exciting? People would have, have you think that, that we're in a secular society where the church is dead and no one cares about spiritual stuff anymore. And this is the missing generation. So he talk, talking Jesus talked about the peak in, in spiritual interest amongst younger generations. And I don't know about anybody else, but I've seen this in my own peers. I, um, I was at university uh, uh, 20 years ago. And, um, and, and, and with my peers, so many of them were not interested in faith at that time. And yet just before the pandemic started, a mate of mine gets in touch and he says, can we go for coffee? And, uh, and, and we meet up and I support Villa, he supports Southampton. It was a very depressing start to the conversation. And then, um, and then, he, says, uh, and then he says, mate, I really wanted to talk to you because I've begun to really wrestle with questions of meaning and purpose. I've also begun to worry about my, what might happen to me when I die. This is a guy who is nowhere with God. He's got everything. He's got amazing business and, and family and, and, and car. He's, his life is not falling apart. And yet there's a spiritual hole in his heart that he knows only God can fill. And he says, mate, can we, can, we, can we chat? And so we do. And, and, um, and then during the pandemic, I send him, some, send him some books. We have a couple of Zoom conversations. He's just become a Christian. My, 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 my hope is that for this generation who have, who have had so much stuff thrown at them as consumers and realize the emptiness of it. And there's a curiosity there. So my encouragement to you as, as leaders is we need to equip and inspire people to share faith because if we're not ready in those moments when people are searching, how will we lead them to take the next step? Secondly, don't be tempted to water down the gospel. It's not average grace, it's amazing grace. The gospel really changes lives. Jesus doesn't make our lives a little bit better and give us meetings to go to. It changes everything. People are desperate for hope. 
And our deepest, hear me right on this, our deepest hope is not, it's not in NATO. It's not in a vaccine. It's not in economic recovery. It's not in a new normal, an old normal, or going back to normal. Our deepest hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And this is a curious generation who are, who are searching for truth and searching for hope. These are some of the stats on the, on the, on the, wall, on the screen behind me. So let's be encouraged that this is a connected generation, a creative generation, a collaborative generation, and a curious generation. These are the foundations of our home. And I want to encourage you as you think about the cultures in your churches, you as young leaders have the opportunity to speak into the cultures of your churches. Two things I want to keep at the forefront of your minds. First of all, a connected generation. Secondly, how do we create home? Because if I think of a paradigm of the gospel that I would use to sum up my friend Ricky from uni, if you gave me one shot to talk to a bunch of young adults and gave me an opportunity to do a gospel talk, the narrative I would choose is the lost son. Because this isn't a generation who, who necessarily identify as, as guilty and sinful, though they are. This is a generation who identify with being lost and need to find home. And so uh, what we're going to do now is, as I've kind of journeyed through this last three and a half years of research, um, spoken to loads of young adults, done a lot of praying, done a lot of talking to church leaders and delving into every bit of research I can find. What's happened is the issues that have come up over and over again as I've looked at church culture that we can change to be more effective in this ministry, each of them has fitted into this paradigm of home. And there's seven themes that have emerged over and over again. And so what we've done is we've mapped them onto the rooms of houses. And so the resource that I'm, I'm going to be talking you through has been used by thousands of churches um, to help them have a conversation. And so my encouragement to you is if you, if you want to go away from the session and use this in your, within your churches, it's a great conversation for the whole of the leadership to have about how to be more effective with, with 20s and 30s. And uh, some, some leaders have used it as a kind of a way day and looked at kind of some things they can do. Some leaders have kind of taken it over a series of seven weeks um, and, and done it kind of at their kind of weekly leadership team meetings. Um, but I want to encourage you to take a look at the house and have a little walk around the house with me this afternoon. But also I want to encourage you, wherever the, in whatever context you go back to, um, to think about some of the themes and how that might improve what you do in terms of your gatherings, your culture, the way you communicate to be more effective in reaching and keeping, discipling and engaging at 20s and 30s. So the first room uh, we're going to delve into um, is the hallway. And um, this is the welcome that we extend to young adults. So one of the things that came through over and over again, that young adults that are thriving amongst this generation have a world-class welcome. Uh, what we did was we talked to a young adults about their experience of first going to the church they went to. And they said, uh, many said, do you know what? It was a pretty rubbish. All I got was a handshake at the door and a smile. And then we talked to church leaders about their experience of what they offer in terms of welcome. And they say, yeah, we've got an amazing welcome. We offer a handshake at the door and a smile. And what we found is there was a discrepancy between young adults' experience and what churches were providing. But churches where young adults integrated quickly had a world-class welcome. So my first question is to you, what do we do in our churches to make people feel at home, that they can belong? They look around and say, this is a place where, where, where I can find home and people who will love me. I can belong to them and they can belong to me. So that's the first question. What, but but the, the, the second question is, is what's your first point of contact with young adults? Because for many, it will be them turning up on a, on, a, on a Sunday morning, but it might not be. And in fact, it probably, before they do that, they'll check you out online. And with many church leaders, I work with leaders from across the whole spectrum of where they're at in this conversation. But many, the first question is, what's your website like? 
because no one, hardly anyone goes anywhere without checking out the website first. And so my question is, do our websites tell our story? Because the church is amazing. I love the church. But yet so often our websites do a poor job about telling our story. Kerry Newhoff says that the website is the new foyer that people step into before coming into your church. Recently, I spoke at a brilliant Elim church and at the end of the room were the words home. Spoke to a young adult who came to faith recently called Jasper. And he said the first time he walked into his church, he just said, I was meant to be here. How do we help people who walk in to see our website, see our Instagram, walk into our foyer, get a handshake at the door and say, I was meant to be here. So the first question, the first conversation we need to have is about welcome. Second conversation we need to have, the second room of my house is about community. This is the most connected generation in history, but it's also amongst the loneliness, the loneliest. So, you know, during the pandemic, loneliness levels, people who said they always or often feel lonely went from 1 in 20 to 1 in 14. Generation most affected, young adults. The church has something so unique to offer to young adults in terms of Jesus-centered community and belonging. As I talked to leaders, so often when we talk about the various gatherings that they hold, so often so much emphasis goes on to what we do on a Sunday. Now, Sunday gatherings are really important, but not if they're at, at the expense of the gatherings we create during the week. Because when you talk to young adults about the formative moments on their discipleship journey, Sunday mornings can only do so much. They're brilliant for the worship experience. They're brilliant for the whole family coming together. But in terms of deep, ongoing, biblical engagement and the authentic stuff of relationship, they've got limited value. So my encouragement to you and whatever influence you have to think about what you do in those intimate small spaces, the second room is the living room. The other thing, question we need to ask ourselves as churches is are we creating mono-generational spaces for young adults? Or are we creating spaces where people can have intergenerational friendships? Research into what makes resilient discipleship, disciples, a key factor is relationships with people of different, who have different age friendships. So if we do mono-generational young adult groups, which many of our churches will do, what are the other spaces where people get to interact with people of different ages? Because we need both. There are issues that are relevant just for young adults, and we need to speak into those. But we also need spaces where people can form meaningful relationships with spiritual parents and grandparents and invest in the lives of spiritual children and grandchildren. So the third room is community. Sorry, second room is community. Third room, and we're going to have a quick moment to chat after this, is leadership. Leadership's changed, hasn't it? There's something about the way in which leadership has changed in the last 20 or 30 years. Some really important research by Forge Leadership um, asked a load of young adults what they look for in a leader. And the, the results were not competence or even charisma. What young adults look for most in leaders are integrity, humility, and passion. And that really makes a difference for our church leaders. One of the challenges around integrity and humility is that people need to see that leaders are walking the walk as well as talking the talk. We have seen too many of our leaders fall, and maybe many people fall away as a result. And the challenge for us as leaders is that we need to allow people access to our lives to see that we're walking the walk as well as talking the talk. Leadership has changed. And so my questions in this room are what kind of leaders are needed? How participative and team-oriented is our leadership? How are we inviting the voices of all generations? How are we empowering the most collaborative generation in history? 
but also how accessible and transparent are the leadership decisions in our churches. We've gone through uh, the foyer, we've gone through the living room, we've gone through the study, we're now coming into the kitchen. And this is about how we communicate. And many of this we've kind of covered in the creative piece, um, including the right brain, left brain stuff. My encouragement to us is to be more Christ-like in our communication, to be left brain as well as right brain. But also think about how we use new technologies to communicate. How do we work on our storytelling? What are the implications for how we preach this generation and do whole route church commu- um, church-wide communication. Um, this, that's a really important uh, conversation to have. That's in the kitchen where things are served. Sad food is also important for young adult ministry as well. I hasten to add. Amen. Woo, be- best response of the day, that. Beautiful. Um, the fifth room um, is about doubt, and this is, takes place in the dining room. And the reason that we're in the dining room is that when I had a bad parents' evening and came home from school, having not been a very good boy, um, my parents would sit me around the dining room table and that's where the difficult conversation would be had. As the church, we need to have difficult conversations. And uh, one of the reasons for this is there's been some really interesting research as to why young adults walk away from faith when they do. One of the big, re- one of the big two things they found, first of all, the walk away from faith is gradual. Second of all, a hallmark on that walk of faith is the inability to express doubt. We, our churches need to be places where we can wrestle with doubt and see it as a friend of faith, not an enemy. And uh, we need to have difficult conversations around where people are struggling, but also on stuff that really matters to young adults. When was the last time we heard convers- uh, sermons on, on climate change, on, on friendship, on, on issues of sexuality in the environment? We need to talk about some of these issues in our churches and help people apply stuff to, to real life. That's been a real theme of some of the conversations that I've had. So that's the dining room. Then we go into, this is not my house, but this is the games room. I'm far too uh, middle-aged um, to yeah, have a games room one day, maybe when the kids grow up, you never know. Um, but this is about participation. Um, let me frame this by talking about Saturday night TV watching. When I was growing up in the 1990s as a teenager, the whole Knox family, I've got a younger brother and sister, and we would sit around in the evening and we would watch Noel's House Party, Bruce Forsyth's Generation Game and Blind Date. And these were TV shows largely with a predetermined outcome, and yet we'd all, as all generations, watch the TV. It was mass media in the 90s. These days, on a Saturday night, the Knox family might sit around or watch the same thing, but we'll all also be on our own screens. And we're watching Strictly Come Dancing, X Factor, and Anton Deck's Saturday Night Takeaway. All TV shows that not only do we all get to watch and interact with other people around the world, but we also influence the result of what happens on the TV. It's the age of social media. One of the challenges we think about our gatherings is so many of our gatherings can look like the age of mass media rather than social media. I'm not for a moment suggesting that people should text in and influence the results of the sermon. But what I am saying is, is that in a generation where people are used to interacting constantly with what's happening, we need to think about how we we have higher levels of participation and empowerment in our gatherings and in our church cultures. Finally, We're going outside the house into the final room, which is about evangelism. And I want to give you the kind of the big themes of how people come to faith. First of all, it's through relationship, the most connected generation. Secondly, it's through people finding a sense of home and belonging in churches. And thirdly, it's through people encountering high quality evangelistic digital content. If you're part of a church that's creating great content, thank you. It's helping people all around the world encounter Jesus. 
If you're, if you're part of a church that's equipping and inspiring people to be able to share their story, thank you. It's helping people come to faith. If you're part of a church that encourages an, an outward focus that helps people feel that they belong when they come in, thank you. It's helping people come to know Jesus. But let's be, let's be a church that prioritizes those things to reach the lost generation and see a generation of young adults come home. Um, so we could talk forever. I'm, I'm wary of time. The final thing to just say on this um, is um, I was so frustrated by the lack of evangelism training, I decided to write, write a book on it. So this is Story Bearer. Um, it came out the worst possible week in history for books to come out when all the bookshops closed at the beginning of the pandemic. But it's done surprisingly well. And I'm hearing stories of people coming to faith recently. A pastor led his son to Jesus, having been inspired to, to read the book. Um, it, it will basically help, you, help people share their story of what God's done in their life. See the faithfulness of God through that story and be able to communicate really well what faith means to them. Um, it's on sale in the bookshop at 8.99. But if you grab a business card off me, I'll give you a coffee for a fiver. So, uh, don't, so don't tell the bookshop. Um, but my encouragement to you today um, is whatever your kind of, whatever church you're part of, I want to encourage you to have this conversation because this is a curious, spiritually hungry generation. We've got a moment now as we spiritually and socially rebuild in the UK our churches. And, uh, and if I can help, my job at the EA is going to churches and help facilitate these conversations. The whole of this resource is available online. But if it, if it would help, please come and see me. Please grab a business card. Find me, however, on Twitter or website or whatever. I'd love to be able to help. That's, that's, the, that's the whole of my job and I love it. So please come and do that. But we're gonna, in a moment, we're going to pray. Just invite the band back up. Um, we're going to finish just by worshipping today. And, um, and as we do, um, I want to encourage us to really think about those that we know in this generation. All of us will know those in their 20s who have either walked away from faith or, or who desperately need to know Jesus. And before we look at our church cultures, let's think about our own friends. And let's pray today that prodigals would come home. Let's pray today that those people who are lost and, and slaves to consumerism and, and money and career would find real hope who has a name and his name is Jesus. But let's be hopeful. Jesus is alive. His kingdom is still coming. The gospel still works. And we're part of a, of a church that is unstoppable. So let's uh, stand if we're able, shall we? And uh, I just invite you before we... Uh, before we go any further, just invite you to, to say, Holy Spirit, what would you say to me? With so much information this afternoon, it has been like drinking from a fire hydrant. But Father, we, uh, we recognise that you're speaking. You're speaking to us, you're speaking to your church, you're speaking to Elim. Holy Spirit, now would you, would you help us to picture our churches and, and help us to, to reflect and hear you speak into what would help them be more homely to a generation who need to come home. Father, I pray that we would allow space in our church leadership meetings to ask these really key questions. 
And Father, we also pray today for those who don't know you yet in this age group. Holy Spirit, would you bring to mind the people who we're to pray for now? And we pray your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, we long for a church thriving amongst all generations. Father, we say the missing generation no more. We pray that the missing generation will be the found generation, who will be the finding generation. And we pray that your good news would flow down the information superhighway, would flow through the connections of social media, would flow through the chats in coffee shops and on the ways to work and on the commutes and, and in the workplace and in our communities with our neighbours, through the friendships that we have. And we pray as we have brought names to you today, would each and every one of the each and every one of them come to know you, would choose to follow you. And we declare in the name of Jesus, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus is alive. The church is growing. The gospel still works. Come Holy Spirit, we pray. Jesus, we worship you now. And we lift the most connected generation to you and say, come home in Jesus' name. Amen. generation Lord Lord I just thank you that we've been here today I thank you for Phil and everything that he's done to listen to this generation and I pray that we would continue to listen to this generation and also bring those up behind us and that we would bring those that have been lost and those that have wandered away I pray that you would bring them to you Lord and help us to just be listening and seeking you, Lord. 